We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Welcome back, Packers fans, to the Pack a Day podcast. Happy Saturday. It is another weekend. I know we always start with a little chat about the weather. So, once again, your Saturday crew. It is myself, Jason Perrone, along with Mark Eckel and Paul Brettel. So, let's get the weather stuff out of the way. It's cloudy here in Phoenix, but it's still hot. Mark, what we got going on on the beach? Um, it was a surprisingly beautiful day today. They had, they had predicted rain. It rained early this morning, but turned into a really nice day. Okay, nice. Very good. Paul, how are we looking up in the uh, Green Bay area? Uh, it's beautiful. It was in the 90s the other day, and I know I was texting Jason about it, uh, just telling him about it, because I know down in Arizona he's not used to that at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not used to 90s because I'm used to 105 right now. It's actually been, it's been uh, up over triple digits, but we're going to cool off, and it's actually going to get down into the 90s, I'll say. And as Paul likes to remind me, it's a dry heat, which doesn't make any difference once it's over 90 degrees. So <laughs> Anyway, all right, exactly. so... Packers football, we are going to do kind of a fun uh, show today. We're going to talk about some different superlatives and categories that we're going to uh, rank our players or assign players to. So to give everyone a quick rundown of what we're going to look at, we're going to talk about the most underrated Packers player, the most likely to break out Packers player, which Packers player is in their final season with the team, who is the X Factor? That's a fun one because X Factor means different things. And then don't forget about players 
we want to caution everybody not to forget about that they might not necessarily be top of mind on the roster. So, fellas, let's jump right in here. Let's jump right in here with underrated, the most underrated Packers player. And I'll be surprised if we don't have some crossover on this one. So, Mark, I'll let you lead us off. Who you got for most underrated Packers player? I kind of wanted to go last on this one, but I'll go first. Uh, mine is not going. Mine is going <laughs> to blow you. Back. David Bakhtiari is the most underrated Packer. Wow. Okay. He's the best player on. Yeah, and you could make that argument. I mean, if, if you think about it, besides Aaron Rodgers, right? Who's he's better now. Right. Uh, he's better. Right. I think. I really do. Yeah. I mean, Rodgers is great. I mean, Rodgers had a better career, but today. If, if the Packers can only keep one person, if, if they came out with a new rule, everybody can only protect one guy. I'm protecting David Bakhtiari. I'm just being, I could be, I mean, this is open for discussion, obviously, but I think he's that good. I, he plays a position that, you know, other than quarterback, it's probably the second most, most important position because he keeps the quarterback upright. Um, and he's really, really good at it. And I don't, I don't think he gets the notoriety. I mean, people in Green Bay obviously know he's good, but we're talking underrated nationally. I don't think people realize how good this guy is. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, Paul, I know you probably have some thoughts on Bakhtiari as well. He gets, he does get some decent amount of attention. It, it helps when you're one of the top tackles in the league. And, and I'm not talking necessarily about Pro Bowls because Pro Bowls is nothing but a you know a joke at this point. But yeah, I mean you. If you have a left tackle, you've got a lot more than a lot of teams do. A quarterback and a left tackle are something that Packers fans have been really spoiled to have over the past two decades, honestly. I mean, it's we've had some issues. I remember in 2011, of course, the Packers over, overcame not having a left tackle that season. It was Marshall Newhouse, but they still won 15 games. How did that happen? It, it, well, uh, you know, Rodgers to Nelson a lot <laughs> and, and the rest of the wide receiver crew, but uh, – that's an interesting one there too, Paul. Your thoughts on Bakhtiari is an underrated? Um, I I'll tend to agree with Mark on that one. I think you know, looking at it from the league perspective, um, and then interestingly enough, Pro Football Focus just this week they released the the highest pass blocking grades for tackles over the last five years, and Bakhtiari was at the top of that list. You know, that includes the likes of Joe Thomas. Um, so I just think. You know, nationally. Plus, it's the offensive line. It's a position that's just not talked about unless you screw Always up. underrated. Yep, exactly. And, underrated, right? yep. and in terms of successful NFL teams, you don't see teams with poor offensive lines or left tackles usually win in the Super Bowl. So he plays a premier position, an important position, and he's the best in the league at it. Or, you know, really, really close. So did you have Bakhtiari as well, Paul, or do you have someone else? I had someone else, and it's another high-profile player. I went with Preston Smith. Um, reason is, I think that with Kenny Clark on the inside and the wild numbers that Zadarius Smith was able to put up last year, I think that he was overshadowed a little bit. But he put together a really, really good year. It was a career year for him. 12 sacks, which was the eighth most in the NFL. And by pro football focus, pass rush productivity metric, which takes the number of pass rushing snaps that you have, um, and divides it by the total pressures that you end up creating on the quarterback, he was 15th among all edge rushers. You know, in most instances, when you have that kind of production from the edge rusher position, that's going to be on just about every team, the top edge rusher out there. You know, he was overshadowed by Bakhtiari. I know Kenny Clark gets a lot of attention as well, but I think he was just that good last year. 
um, and just, like I said, overshadowed by the other two. Well, one about his own running mate, Zadarius Smith, too. I mean, everyone was, was crushing on Zadarius, and Preston Smith had, had a good season as well. Uh, also, I mean, I, I, I think that's, I think that's a good one, Paul. I mean, the argument that you brought there kind of, that's, that's what's fun about these conversations is when you guys mention somebody and then, you know, you really step back and you listen to the arguments for it. There's, there's a couple mm-hmm. different guys that fit into these categories too, you know, um, Mark, what do you think about Paul's selection? I like it. I actually thought about, if we were doing offense, defense, I would have given Preston Smith the most underrated player on, on defense for a lot of reasons that Paul said that Zadarius gets not that he's overrated by any means. He had a great year yet he, he played you know, he played played very well. But I think more people talked about him instead of Preston. And they were kinda of like a package. They they spoke together, they called themselves Smith brothers. But it was almost like Zadarius was the big Smith brother and Preston was the little Smith brother. And Preston is more you know, Paul brought out all the stats about the pass rushing this and that, which is great, but Preston does other things, too. I mean, he he, he was he dropped in coverage at times. Um, he was pretty solid against the run. Uh, he was a, he had a he had a very good overall year last year. Yeah, he did. He had a good season. And I, I think that's a great choice, too. I mean, mine, so I, I guess I probably should not have gone last, because mine is probably the least exciting of the two of yours. I like both <laughs> years. I mean, mine, and I, I'm not really, I mean, I swear, I'm not borrowing from Pro Football Focus. I actually didn't read their piece that they did on, because uh, they, they did a most underrated player piece recently, too, before putting my thoughts together. But I went with safety Adrian Amos, because, and, and maybe I'm I'm a little bit of a prisoner of the moment of last season versus what we can expect this season. I may he may not necessarily fit into that category if Darnell Savage takes a big jump forward and Jair Alexander's a year smarter in the defense and the secondary becomes a really big strength for the Packers. But last season, I thought Amos was really important because you had a rookie in Savage, you had a, a still an up and comer in, in Jair Alexander, and Kevin King had never played a full season, so he was kind of that most steady Eddie veteran guy in the defensive backfield. He actually played more snaps than any other defensive back last year by about 100 snaps. Um, he gave him 81 snaps on special teams, too, so he's contributing in multiple areas. I know the stat, his stats aren't real flashy. You rarely hear his name called, but you know he's not going to be on a lot of highlight films. You also don't see him give up a lot of big plays. You know, I'm, So he set, he set a career high in tackles, which may not necessarily be the best thing for a safety, uh, but the defense played pretty well, so he tied and he tied his career high in uh, in interception. He had he was almost had set another career high in passes defended. So as a safety, you know we remember some seasons where the safeties didn't do a thing. So it was it was good to have him back there. Uh, very reliable veteran presence, and and he'll be a year wiser in the defense this year. And you hope you add in a healthy Raven Green. I think the safeties benefit from that. But either way. He's going to get two more cracks at his former team, the Bears, and and we can only hope that somehow, in some way, Mitch Trubisky is throwing the football, right, guys? Yeah, absolutely. I like that pick a lot too. Um, we knew when the Packers signed Amos that he wasn't, you know, he doesn't put up the flashy numbers, the interceptions, that kind of stuff, but he's steady and he provides that reliability, which is what you want at a position that has the word has the word safe in it. Um, right. I mean, looking at the 2018 season, the safety position was just a mess. They were going trading guys, guys were, you know, Jermaine Whitehead was cut. Uh, was traded, guys were injured, unreliable. So just his steady presence back there was huge and just limiting that big play. Well, and if you think about it, too, 
Where's HaHa Clinton Dix now? The Bears brought him in for one season. Washington didn't bring him back after giving up a fourth round pick. You know, the Bear or the Packers went with Amos. HaHa goes to Chicago, and now he's playing for the Cowboys. So clearly, the Packers made the right decision. You know, not not that they really had much of a decision at all. They didn't have Clinton Dix. They had to sign somebody, but but they definitely won out in that in that particular equation. I would think. Mark, any thoughts on Amos before we? Move yeah, on? I like I like one stat that you mentioned that he played a hundred more snaps than anybody else in the second half. That's that's pretty impressive. That 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 does tend to lead you to be underrated. I mean, if if you're given you know durability and, and accountability are two pretty good abilities, and um, he was both of those. So, and I I think he's a good. I don't think he's a great player, um, but he's very good. I mean, and like you said, by far, if, if that was a trade, haha, for for Amos, the Packers certainly won won that trade. Yeah, he, you're right. He's not a flashy guy, but they always what's you know what's the common adage? The best ability in the NFL is availability, and he clearly had it. So, and the Packers got historically lucky with health last season, and lo and behold, look what happens when you have a really healthy roster. You, you win more games. It just kind of tends to go hand-in-hand hand if you look at some past Packers teams that have done well. So hopefully I like all three of these guys. We're off to a great start. Hopefully hopefully we didn't uh, we didn't uh, <laughs> save the uh, the best for first. So, all right, moving on to breakout player. We can, we can change up the order a little bit here. Maybe, Paul, why don't you lead us off? Your breakout player in 2020 for the Green Bay Packers. I love that I get to go first on this one because I have a feeling it's going to be a common answer. I'm going Jay Sternberger. Uh, big reason is just the opportunities are going to be there for him. So Graham's gone. He's going to slide into that tight end one role. We know we're going to see more of the Lafleur offense this year, which is going to be more tight ends, you know, 21, 22 personnel out there. Um, he can move all over the formation. He played in the backfield, the slot, even out wide last year, as well as in line. Um, and I know he says he's going to play in the slot quite a bit this year. That's what Lafleur is asking for him. So I just think with opportunities and the skill set that he brings, he has good speed. I think that he'll make some noise over the middle of the field for this offense. And like I said, the opportunities are going to be there for him to to be that breakout star. Oh, for Paul, did you happen? Did I share my my notes on Sternberger with you? Because you were reading right off of my pad, my paper here. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a, I have a feeling that you might hear that name again, Mark. I know I know you're a fan of Jay Sternberger, but what he was he your breakout guy? No, um, I do like him. Um, I kind of wanted to be a little different. Not that I, I mean, I, I again, if we did offense defense, he would have been my breakout on on offense. I just don't know. Again, depending on what you. How you define breakout? Um, there's only one ball, and Devontae Adams is going to get his. You know, Aaron Jones is going to get his. I think I think they're going to run the ball more than we've seen them run in years. So Dylan's going to get some. I mean, I think Sherburn is going to have a nice year. Um, again, what you mean by break? Like, give me all right, Paul. Let me ask this: Give me his number line for, for the year: catches, yards, touchdowns. Oh gosh, I didn't even think that far through. Um, maybe 400, 400, 500 yards, yeah. six touchdowns, handful of touchdowns. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna, you know, be a thousand yard receiver. But you know, the passing game's looking for another second option. You know, we have Lazard, there's Funches as well. But I think that he could be, you know, be up there with those guys in terms of, um, you know, potential targets. 
Well, I mean, I, I, I don't dislike the choice. I just, well, you, you guys probably won't like mine at all. So, but go ahead. I, I don't, I don't mind. I mean, I, again, I just think the offense is going to be so, I think it's going to be good offense this year. I really do. Um, I'm not as down on the wide receivers as, as everybody else. Like I said, I think they're going to run the ball. And they, they got a nice three-headed backfield back there with uh, Jones, Dylan Williams. I, I, that might be as deep as the Packers have been at, at running back since Amon Green, Najee Davenport, Tony Fisher. I was just going to say, that trio for sure, yeah. And you add DeGuara back there, and we don't know what DeGuara is going to add to the mix, but they're going to have some options for sure. So, anyway... Um, well, and I so I mean well, I'll, I'll I had Sternberger as well. So just to round this off, because most of my points were the same as Paul's. He's the most dynamic pass catching tight end that they have, and he's essentially a rookie again because he missed so much of last season when he got injured in training camp. That unfortunate cheap shot he took, which and we've learned that the Packers aren't going to do joint practices this year. So if there's one good thing to come out of that, it's that hopefully our guys aren't getting shrapnel from other players trying to make a roster. But in addition to Sternberger being the, the most dynamic pass-catching tight end that they have, he might also be the third-best wide receiver or pass-catcher on the roster. So, I mean, if he's not hurt, I think it was an easy choice for me. Maybe I, I'm forgetting it. somebody, and, and like it sounds like Mark's got the defense covered, but a third-rounder from a year ago who bumps up into the featured tight end role seemed like, Kind of low hanging fruit for me, and it was it was an easy choice. But Mark, who do you got? I have Kevin King. Okay, silent. <laughs> um, I think you know he's shown when he's healthy that he can be a pretty solid cornerback in this league. Mm-hmm. Um, he had five. In, what do you have? Five picks last year. Could have had ten. Probably dropped five. Yeah. Uh, I think, and, I, and, and again, and I'm going I'm to use this guy later on for another one of my uh, picks, but um, I, I think Jerry Gray is going to make a big difference in this, in the, in the, on the defense in, in general, but especially the, the corners and safeties. Are, you know, he, he's the D-backs coach now. I just think the world's Jerry Gray, and I think he can bring out the best in Kevin King. And I, I think Kevin King, I mean, he's in a contract year, so there's – that guys always seem to play a little bit better when they're when they're up for for a new contract. I could see King getting like eight, nine picks this year, maybe be among the among the league leaders in, in interceptions. Uh, maybe bring one back. I think he's going to. Be, I you know with Alexander on on the other side, very good. Obviously, um, teams are going to probably want to go stay away from Alexander, and I think King's going to make them pay. I I, I think he's going to have a really really big year. I know that. All the, all the, you know, the T.J. Watt fan club doesn't like me saying good things about Kevin King. But. <laughs> well, that narrative base, yeah. Well, so let me ask you this, Mark, because you had a good question, and, and I think it's good we challenge each other with some of these things. So, to me, last season for Kevin King was a breakout. So, what kind of oh. numbers – I know you mentioned the interception numbers. Do you – I mean, do you really feel like, like he can – I mean, obviously he's got to stay healthy. But do, right. you really, do you really feel like he can double his output? Well, I'm not. I mean, ten's a lot. I said eight, which uh, is also a lot too. Right. I mean, I think about eight will put you among the league leaders, and I just think. It's, I mean, it's not just about numbers at corner. I, I I think he'll be. I think he can become a legitimate, you know, top of the line. You put him on a guy, and, that, and he's going to shut that guy down. I mean, not not every great thing's not going to shut down, you know, Julio Jones, but 
you know, he can shut down Allen Robinson or he can shut down, you know, a good receiver. I think you can put him on a, on a, put Alexander on the one guy and put him on another guy. And I think, you know, you can blitz more. You, you can do a lot of things. I think you're going to have two very good, solid cover corners. Well, he, Jerry, and again, I'm putting a lot of this on the fact that Jerry Gray is, maybe I'm overrating, maybe I'm overrating Jerry Gray. I don't know. We'll find out. But I just think Gray can really bring out the best. And I mean, he's shown he's talented. I mean, he was talented at, at Washington. That's why he was drafted and was the first pick of the second round. Um, I just think, you know, I get, I'm, maybe I'm wishful thinking here, but I, I think King, King can have a very good year. Well, he Again, had he had fifteen he had fifteen passes defended last year, which was ninth best in the NFL. And let's not forget whether it means anything to anybody or not. The Packers didn't address corner in the draft, and they know that Kevin King's contract is up after this year. So it's either going to be you figure out a way to bring King back, or you've got to replace him somehow, either with a free agent and who knows what the salary cap's going to look like next year. Or a draft pick, uh, Paul. I mean, I, I, it was an int- I was, I was kind of intrigued by Mark's pick. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think there's definitely room for improvement. You know, the first two years were kind of the were injury riddled for him. Last year was a big step in the right direction, and I agree with Mark. I think there's that room for improvement that he can make this year. That's huge. That is so. If he does. The Packers defense is going to be really scary because I think Jair Alexander is going to is going to really bump up his production and find his, himself on the stat sheet a little bit more. Uh, I, Mark, you're right. The team loves Jerry Gray. In fact, didn't they? Uh, didn't someone say uh, when they were they were interviewing for him? Uh, maybe it was Petten. Didn't didn't Petten say he knew within the first like 30 seconds this was his guy? I didn't. Maybe I didn't. I go way back with Jerry Gray. I remember when he was with the Bill. I mean. I just think he's a very, very, very good defensive back. I mean, he he wasn't a bad coordinator either, but he he's this is the perfect role for him as a as a as a defensive backs coach. Yeah, that'll be good. That'll be good for him. All right, so moving on to topic number three. This is going to be a fun one. Who's in their final season in Green Bay? So should we flip a coin? Who wants to lead this one off? Who's got a good one? It's your turn. To go Why don't forward. you take it, Jason? All right, I'll start off. Well, I mean, I. I, so when I was thinking about this, I was like, I, I could go full lightning rod here and, and go with Aaron Rodgers and then just watch the world burn uh, and, then, and then listen to all of our or watch all of our listeners drop off like flies and not listen to the last half of the show. But I'll spare the universe because uh, I'm not convinced that that's going to happen. But more importantly, um, myself, I'll spare myself. But another name that might raise some eyebrows, I've got, I've got Corey Lindsley on here. And when I went through and looked at some of his numbers, everything on paper tells me the Packers really should bring him back and keep him. Um, but I think there's a big reason why they won't. So he was tied with, with uh, Bulaga for the fewest snaps of all starting O-linemen, but a lot of that has to do with health. So that's going to obviously skew that too. It doesn't mean that he was taken off the field. He just had health issues at times. So pro football focus ranked the entire Packers offensive line sixth in the league last season. Lindsley was graded a 73.8 and ranked him seventh among centers. He had only two penalties all season and he only gave up, he gave, but he gave up five sacks, which wasn't great. Uh, that wasn't a, a great stat, but only two penalties. So the numbers aren't 
aren't awful. You'd also have to think about the context of what the offensive line is asked to do. How many of those blocks were combo blocks, and he was charged with a sack for one reason or another. He's just he's one of the he's one of the better centers in the league. And interestingly enough, if you look back at the 2014 draft, when that draft happened, I was like, this is going to be the most phenomenal draft class in a long time. Corey Lindsley single handedly is the only thing salvaging 2014. That that draft for the Packers right now. He's the only one only one left that's worth of, of any consequence. So, but here's the problem. He turns 29 at the start of this season, and the, and the Packers just you know it, it'd be a third contract. The Packers don't do a lot of third deals, and he's pushing 30. So is is he someone that they're they're going to consider bringing back? He's going to be expensive, but they drafted Jake Hansen. Now he's drafted in the sixth round out of Oregon. So the sixth-round pick isn't really expected to make a bunch of noise. It's not like you're, you're absolutely telegraphing the heir apparent to Corey Lindsley. And they've also got Lucas Patrick on their roster. So they'll get this season to see if, if they want to commit any big money. But you've got Kenny Clark, Aaron Jones, Bakhtiari, Kevin King. Center might not necessarily be as high on the list of priorities. Now, the continuity in the offensive line is important, but the Packers held up well with two new guards last year, so... And they they opted for a new right tackle this season. I think they're they're not afraid to move on. I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts on Lindsley? I I had Lindsley for the second half of, of what you said, Jason. I mean, there's. I mean, I looked at it. I mean, I mean, an easy example I could say Mercedes Lewis because he's he's going to be 106 next year, so he's not <laughs> about to retire. But um, of the of the guy of the free agents, I mean, and you mentioned there's five really good players that are going to be free agents. You know, you got the the top two, Bakhtiari and Kenny Clark. You got Aaron Jones, and that's, that was the one that I thought about because you, you know my feelings about running backs. Um, King, I just told you, I think he's going to break out, so I'm not getting rid of him. Um, Lindsley, like you said, the Packers are more prepared to replace him than they are anybody. I mean, yeah, they could go with Lucas Patrick, who they obviously like because they extended him at the end of last season. So they didn't they didn't do that because they they're nice people. They did it because they they see something in, in Lucas Patrick going forward. They also have a guy who was drafted and had a great year at guard, but he's really a center. They don't Jenkins, so they could always move Jenkins to his more natural position at center. Being they did draft two guards this year as well, Runyon and um, Stepniak. So, and they have Lane Taylor back again. So they're pretty deep at guard if they wanted to move Jenkins to center. Or they can go with Patrick, or they can go with Hanson. They, they're pretty, I don't know how good any of these guys are other than Jenkins because they're, they're rookies, but they're pretty deep there. Lindsley, you know, his cap number is $10 million this year. He's making good money already. He's not going to look for a pay cut next year. He's going to want at least what he got last time, if not more, especially if he has a good year. He's going to be. A, he's going to just be priced out of the. If he was the only free agent on the team, I'd say, yeah, do what you can keep him. He's a good. He's a very good player. But you, you can't. They're not going to be able to keep everybody. And I think he's the most uh, re- replaceable of the key free agents. I wondered too about Elton Jenkins. Just as good as he was at left guard, if he's that good, you have to almost try some different combinations to see what you can do so that you create more options for yourself. And I think that might mean some reps at center. Maybe the Packers feel very strongly that, no, he's a stud. He's a pro bowl for life. 
at left guard, leave him there and let him, you know, let him start his, you know, hopefully what turns into a Hall of Fame career, which is hard for Lenny to do. But, but yeah, that'd be that'd be kind of kind of an interesting one. Paul, any thoughts on on Lindsay? What's your take on Lindsay, and if the Packers will bring him back, or do you do you want them to? So I had Lindsley for this as well, but I'll go with a different one in a second here. But in regards to Lindsley, you guys hit the nail on the head. The big thing is the free agents that they have in addition to him. Um, I agree with Mark. I think if he was the only one, I think that they would do what they could to bring him back. But we know that Clark and Bakhtiari are going to be priority. Uh, he's going to be, I think you said, 30 next year, Jason. So he's still going to command a big contract. Uh, but the Packers, I just think – have other players that they'll want to take care of ahead of them. And they have Jake Hansen, Lucas Patrick. And I know Jake Hansen's a sixth-round pick, but back in 2014, Corey Lindsley started week one as a fifth-round pick. Obviously, this doesn't mean that Jake, that Hansen's going to be Lindsley caliber. We hope he is, but we don't know. But, you know, a sixth-rounder with a year under his belt to learn versus a fifth-rounder starting, you know, uh, week one as a rookie. So that's not that, you know, Lindsley was this high first, second-round caliber pick. But I think that he is going to be the odd man out this year. One other guy that I was debating with myself beforehand was Aaron Jones. Um, I ended up choosing Lindsay because I'm more confident in that. But with Aaron Jones, I mean, we've seen around the league that you don't have to pay running backs to be successful. You know, Super Bowl teams, a lot of them have rookie de- uh, running backs on rookie deals. If we look at the four highest-paid running backs last year, Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, all their teams missed the playoffs. Now, is that the sole reason because they handled those contracts? Absolutely not. But we've seen before you don't need to pay running backs to be successful. And Jones is the prime example of that. He's a fifth-round pick. Um, I think with the addition of A.J. Dillon, um, if he can prove to be you know solid as a pass blocker, if he can – uh, hold his own in the in the passing game as a target out of the backfield. I you know I think the writing might be on the wall for Jones because they're not gonna. I just don't see the Packers paying him twelve, thirteen, fourteen million a year. I think the only way that he stays is if they come to a contract extension. Uh, you know, similar to what Austin Eckler got with the Chargers. Those two were drafted or came out of college the same year, twenty seventeen. Their numbers are very similar. They're both used in the running game, both used in the passing game. And Eckler's getting a little over $6 million a year. If they can agree to an extension with Jones that maybe puts him at seven or, heck, even eight in that ballpark, I think that that's going to be their best avenue to keep him. But we go back to the other free agents that they have, David Bakhtiari, Kenny Clark, you know, Corey Lindsley. I mean, just given positions, maybe he's more of a priority to them, Kevin King. So I think this could be Aaron Jones last year in Green Bay, as much as that hurts to say. Well, and Mark, you and I talked about running backs last week. That was a topic of our show. So is he your same guy, or what are your thoughts on Jones? Like I said last week, I mean, and I agree with what Paul just said. Um, that's what we were saying last week. You can't over. I'm, I'm listen. I'm the, I'm the, the president of the running backs aren't important club because they're, they're just not <laughs> the greatest running backs. I mean. In, in modern times, don't get like I said. Don't go. Don't go back to Jim Brown, or Jim Taylor, and all those guys. But you know, like I said, Adrian Peterson was probably one of the best running backs in our you know recent football history. Right? Guy won one playoff game. Barry Sanders won one playoff game. I mean, you you don't win with running back. You just don't. It doesn't matter how good your running back is. That's not how you. It's nice to have a good one. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, you, so there's no reason to pay them crazy money. If Jones is willing to stay, and we talked about this, how much he likes it, and, you know, I think he could be gone as well, but I didn't put him, I put Lindsley instead of him only because there seems to be some conversation going on between Jones, 
Lindsay's his people, his agent, and the Packers. Right. I didn't. Yeah. I haven't heard Lindsay's people were talking to the Packers. So that just leads. That's that's the main reason I went with Lindsay over Jones. Yeah, that seems to make sense. And so I, I like I said, I, I'd love to see the Packers buck trend here because I'm more because I'm just more nervous. I don't know what they have. I mean, I might feel differently after this season and we see some options and some guys emerge. Then great, you know, they've got another option at center, but we'll see how they how they value that and and what it's worth for the continuity when you've got you know potentially a new guard this season and on the right hand side or maybe it will be Lane Taylor or maybe Billy Turner stays at guard and and Wagner does okay at right tackle a lot of a lot of different a lot of different things so we'll see if we'll see if Lindsley ends up being that x factor on the offensive line and that folks is how you segue into our next topic so this was all right so this was this is our x factor so so because you guys made a good point we were talking about this one this week while we were getting ready for the show so we're going to have to each probably kind of define what we see the X factor as. So, Mark, you're up to lead us off. Who's your X factor for the Packers in 2020? Um, I went with Kirsten Kirsten. Today, X, X means unknown. And we don't know about this. I mean, I know when he, when he played his early years in Cleveland and was healthy, he's just what the Packers need. He's a good middle linebacker. He can cover a little bit. He can. He can. He knows Petten's defense. He could be, as you know, he could be the perfect fit for that defense and what they and what they've lacked the last couple of years. But we also know that he's missed more than half the year the last two two seasons. So, you know, to me that's unknown. If he if he can't play, then he's useless. I mean, I don't. Packers don't need a guy on injury reserve. They, they they need a guy at inside linebacker. So to me that was the guy because he could be he could be just what they need or he can be another he could just be a guy that gets hurt in week four and they're out there trying to mix and match safety's playing linebacker again. I like that choice because you want to talk about unknown. It's a guy who's never played in Green Bay. So that's for that reason, you know, also in addition to everything else that you said I I'm totally down with that. Paul, did you have Kirksey as well, or any thoughts on him before you give us your guy? No, I think that that you know that hits the X factor definition perfectly. Uh, my X factor, and I'll start the definition. I agree with Mark. It's an unknown, but it's an unknown where their performance is going to have a major impact um, <clears throat> on the team. You know, we could consider Kadar Holman an unknown, but. You know, whether he plays really well or really poorly, you know, other players might have a more significant impact. So I'm going with Rick Wagner, the right tackle. For one, just given the position, it's the right tackle. It's a premier position in this league. And last, he's coming off a season where he played in only 12 games. Um, and when he was on the field, he struggled. And since he became a starter back in 2014, uh, he's only started all 16 games just one time. And if we look at the depth behind him at the tackle position, there really isn't much. They could slide Billy Turner over, which is an option. However, I mean, he struggled in space last year at the guard position. I think a tackle uh, could could be a disaster out there for him. Lane Taylor's an option. He played some snaps at left tackle in 2017, but that was just for a two-week span. Once again, not much experience. And then you have Alex Light. We saw how that went last year. Um, then you got the guys like Yosh Nijman, Cody Conway, all guys guys who do not have any NFL snaps at the tackle position in the regular season. So with a thirty set or a quarterback that turns thirty seven this season, and a quarterback that likes to hang on to the football, not to mention Matt Lafleur's outside zone running scheme, sealing that edge is key. 
Rick Wagner has to play well this year just because I'm very nervous and stay healthy because I'm very nervous about who they would sub in behind him. That's also another good one. You guys, you guys are going to win this one for sure. And, and Mark, I think I don't think it's, it's hard to argue with a lot of Paul's points. I mean, Wagner. No, I agree with Paul. Wagner wasn't my X factor. He was my Y factor. As in, why didn't they get a better right tackle? That <laughs> 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 very good. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about right tackle because I wanted them to draft one high. I wanted, I mm-hmm. wanted, Motor, I wanted Belaga back. To be honest with you. Um, I, you know, I know he got some money, but I don't care. I, I kind of want a Belaga back. I want. I, I, I hope I'm wrong about Rick Wagner. I hope he has a solid year. But I don't know. I I don't. I don't. I'm. I'm I, like I said, he's my Y factor. So that's that's <laughs> so that's a good choice. I mean, both of these guys are going to be important, and neither of them have spent any time with the team, so we don't know what exactly they're going to be able to do. So my guy is not one that is unknown, but I think it might, my reasoning is maybe it's unknown if he's going to be the same thing in 2020 as he was in 2019. So, I mean, if we're talking about the actual definition, I looked it up, um, you know, it's, it's the, you know, the biggest impact on the outcome uh, in that case, I don't know, Zadarius Smith. Um, but if you go according to how we're taking it here, I, I had Alan Lazard because again, Came on big in the second half of last season. No doubt he's going to be a part of the offense this season. Uh, we know, if nothing else, we know he can single-handedly beat the Lions, so there's two victories right there. But he's just, he's not a flashy guy. His name isn't going to be, or his game isn't going to be dramatically different in 2020. It's, it's, um, it's going to be interesting to see what he does. But he's proven to be reliable, and he's definitely not afraid of the moment. So... You know, as far as that goes, that's why I've got Lazard. He just plays with a lot of confidence. He knows he belongs in the NFL. He was cut last year. So this is somebody who's overcame getting cut, ending up on the practice squad, getting called up, showing up big against the first in the first Lions game, and then breaking their hearts again uh, in the second game. So this, the, the, he's a guy that knows his place in the NFL isn't a given. He's going to work hard. And, it, and I think if, if he reaches the peak, 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 peak of the game that he can and, and the best of what we saw last year. He's kind of similar to me. I don't know what you guys think about this. He kind of reminds me a little bit of, of a James Jones type. You know, he's not going yes. to burn by guys, but he's smart, and he's he's going to be able to make plays that way. What do you guys think? I like the James Jones comparison a lot. I've, I've said that myself. That's who, who he reminds me of. Big, strong, um, like you said, not the – not the big splash play, but but a big play every once and again. I like that pick because, like you said, he 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 came on. He he helped the Packers a lot last year, and given a given a full season now, he could put up some. He he could have a good year. I mean, Aaron Rodgers obviously likes him too, which is very important. For, you know, if Aaron don't like you, you ain't, you're not getting the ball. So, right. Uh, no, I think Lazard. That that's a good one. That's a very good one. What do you think, Paul? I like the James Jones comparison a lot as well. And I've said before, if Lazard is your third receiver, you're doing really well. Um, you know, this year we're going to get the opportunity to see if he can elevate to, you know, being that, that number two, that's consistent number two. He was, you know, 
de facto last year, more so due to circumstance because he had to be. Uh, but this year we'll see if he can step up into that role for a full 16-game season, you know, beat out guys like Funches. Yeah, Equinemius St. Brown will be back. We hope MVS bounces back. So, But, you know, he's solid all around. There's another one, Paul. It's, it's like It's like you're reading right off my sheet. Here it's crazy, <laughs> but that's exactly that's a, that's the key though. I mean, with with EQ working back from injury, MVS had struggles. Funchess will be in the mix, but I think you know, and for what it's worth, who cares? Two number two, number three, number four wide receiver, just catch the ball when it's thrown to you, you know. But I think I think Lazard is going to be counted on to if he's on the field, he's going to have to draw some attention away from Devontae Adams, you know, they give give Adams some some opportunities to make, make catches, although it seems like Devontae Adams with his feet alone could beat a triple team. So I don't know how much, how much uh, you know, struggles he's going to have to get the ball as well. But, you know, make defenses pay, and that's going to be the big key for, for Lazard. That's why I kind of had him as, as the X factor. The Packers didn't use this wide receiver-rich draft to add any talent there. They signed Funches, and that was really it. You know, Reggie Begleton is the biggest new addition that wasn't a free agent. So there's there's going to be some opportunities for, for 13 to elevate and jump up there and make some plays. So that takes us to our final topic of the day, and that is don't forget about. This is another one I'm looking forward to because there's a lot of players that are kind of unsung heroes on the team. So, Paul, who do you have for, for your don't forget about player in 2020? I'm going with Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I know his snap count last year as the season went on and dwindled. Uh, part of that was to injuries and, you know, frankly, he just wasn't playing that well. But through the first seven games, he had 20 run receptions, two touchdowns, and he was averaging nearly 20 yards per catch. He gives the Packers that big downfield playability, which, you know, with the addition of Font just – Bagleton, uh, for what I've seen, he's more of a get the ball in his hands, let him do some work after the catch. But as far as a deep threat, that's still MVS's job on this team. And like I said, the first half of the season, he was making those plays. But I believe it was an ankle injury and then loss of confidence, whatever the other factors were, his snap count dwindled. And take it as you will, maybe as quarterback speak, but Rodgers still says he has a ton of confidence in him. And I believe that, and I think that he should. So I know he's kind of been forgotten about, maybe even written off a little bit, but MVS is my don't forget about guy. That's that's a good one. I mean, he, he was a very different receiver last year than he was – the year prior, and all of the guys and girls that do the great film work on Twitter only remind us. I mean that you know the opening the opening play of the Bears game at Lambeau Field sticks mm-hmm. out. I mean he made that catch against the Broncos. He made that catch against right. the Broncos, and then he didn't against the Bears. And somebody somebody said, and I think they hit the nail on the head with him, where it just looked like he was as he was running and playing, he was thinking to himself instead of just naturally putting your hands on catching the football, he was thinking like. Okay, don't drop this. Don't drop it. Do this. Don't do that. And you get in, you get into your head, and it just becomes more difficult to do your job. Mark, what are your thoughts on MBS? As a don't forget about. I haven't forgotten about. Uh, I don't. I don't haven't either. But you're right. I like what you said. I mean, I think his game. If he's going to get back to where he was beginning of last year, it's, it's all mental now. It's, it's not physical. He can. He hasn't slowed down. He'll run. Every was running a four four less than under sub four fours. Um, the injuries did probably play a factor. I mean, if you look back at Devontae Adams in the second year, there were people that wanted to get rid of him because they, he had a bad. You know, his second year wasn't great, and he, you know, but he was hurt. I kept telling people, that, you know, not help. He shouldn't even be playing. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I but again, I think like I think the confidence factor is is a key for MVS. Um, you know, he needs if there is a preseason, um, and I know, and I don't, I I'm the king also of don't I don't care what happens in preseason, just don't get hurt. But he's a guy that needs to go out and, <laughs> and, and 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 put up yards because like if he drops his first preseason pass, uh, that's not going to be good. I think it'll get in his head, just like you said. I think, I think the game for him it has to be a me- it's it's got to be a mental thing now. He has to get over last year, forget about it. It didn't happen. Let's go out there, play your game, take your guy deep, catch the pass, score touchdown, all all good. Well, and if he does, then he becomes and the other thing. He, he, well, I was going to say, if he does, he becomes the biggest acquisition per se for the wide receiver core maybe this season. Yeah, yeah. I was going to add too that. With uh, you know the offense becoming more run more run oriented as is, as has been talked about, that means more play action. That means more shots downfield. And if he's on the field and has shown he can make those plays and has Rogers trust, that means more opportunities for him as well. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So Mark, who do you got? I'm assuming you you probably didn't have MBS or did you for your don't forget about? No, I didn't forget about this guy. I think everybody has forgotten about. That's um, Josh Jackson. Mm. Uh, I mean, no one even mentions him. He's been, as, I mean, he, and for good reason. He hasn't done anything to make you want to think about. But again, I'm going to bring back Jerry Gray again. Maybe a change of coaching. Maybe a Jerry, you know, a guy like Jerry Gray. Can, this guy was too good in college, and he went, you know, high second round for for a reason. I mean, you know, he was really good at Iowa. And, and most people thought he should have been a first-round pick. Uh, he dropped to the second. The Packers took him. And, you know, I don't know I don't know what the problem is there. I know he, they don't play him much. I mean, and, we, and with the, the, the snaps he has gotten, he hasn't been real, real impressive. But, and like, and like you got, we said earlier, the Packers did not draft a corner. So they have King and Alexander, and then they have, you know, a bunch of guys that don't have Jackson's pedigree. That's for sure. They have... Sullivan, you know, a guy, an undrafted guy out of a small school that was cut. They have uh, Holman, sixth-round pick out of a small school. Um, who am I forget? Anybody else? Who's, who's the other corner? <laughs> There's one more that I'm, I'm not thinking of. Right well, Tremont, well, they, well, Tremont's they, gone, so he's not. So uh, KB and Ento off the practice squad. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's what I'm saying. So Jackson has the he has much more pedigree than any of those guys. I mean, again, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm putting way too much um, love to, to to Jerry Gray, but I mean, Jackson, there's ability that he wouldn't have done it has done. I mean, what in a major kind of I was good. I know he didn't come out of nowhere. He came out of a Big Ten power um, and played well. You know, was was very good there. There's something. I mean, there's ability there. There's talent there. Someone just has to get it out. And I'm hoping Jerry Gray could could be that guy. And even if I mean, you know, if, if they they're, they're talking about moving out, they know. But maybe Alexander play a little slot. Well, there it is. It opens up a spot for for Jackson to, to, to be outside. Then um, now he's not real fat. That was a knock against them. That, that's why he slipped into the in, in the round two. He's you know he's not a speedster. But guess what? There's a lot of wide receivers that aren't speedsters either. He, he should be able to cover the big, strong wide receiver and let King and Alexander 
King and Alexander handle the um, you know, the uh, faster guys. So again, he's my don't don't forget about because I think everybody's forgotten about him. Well, he's one that's been talked about as on the bubble, and I actually the year he came out, I I thought he would be Green Bay's first round choice. So when, him, when, he, when he fell to the second round, obviously I was wrong there. When he fell to the second round, I was thrilled because then they end up getting, they end up, you know, I'm like, this is going to be the secondary. It's going to be Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson for the next 10 years. And Jackson just, he seems like he's, if he's got everything in front of him, things go really well. I mean, he had that great training camp. He, he made a big special teams play against the Vikings week two. He recovers the, the block punt. Uh, by Geronimo Allison, who, man, talk about somebody we might be forgetting about real soon. You know, he scores the touchdown. I mean, I thought I thought Jackson was just going to be a stud. And then we haven't really seen him do much since then, too. I mean, Paul, I'm sure you, you, you kind of feel the same way. It's hard, to, it's hard to heap accolades on him when it's been a long time since he's done a lot. Yeah, I'm glad Mark brought him up because I definitely had forgotten about him. <laughs> I mean, he played he played he played less than 10 percent of the defensive snaps last year, and when he was on the field, he gave up a catch just about every time. But like we've talked about with you know the lack of experience at the cornerback position, Kevin King in year four is the most experienced cornerback on this roster. Um, you know, he's going to get his opportunities this summer, and after the draft, Brian Gutekunst mentioned Josh Jackson along with Sullivan, Jair, and Darnell Savage as those competing for those slots or snaps in the slot this upcoming season with Tremont Williams still unsigned. And, you know, I think he's going to have a decent shot if he can produce because they don't know, you know, who else do they have that they can confidently say can take over outside for Jair. I think Jair would be excellent in the slot, but who can take over outside? I would rather see Darnell Savage roaming rather than pigeonhole the one kind of specific position. So I think Sullivan and Jackson are primarily going to be battling for those you know, the main slot duties this season. And, you know, Mark said it perfectly. He has the pedigree. He's done this, you know, at the highest of college level. Now it's just time for that to translate over to the NFL, hopefully. Well, and if he pushes Sullivan, that's great. The Packers have four good corners this season at least. And, and then maybe if the best-case scenario, which is going to take a lot, but if the best-case scenario plays out, that helps Green Bay make their decision on King the following season but again that's an outside guy playing on the outside versus the slot something totally different so that's a good one I mean mine my guy was Raven Green don't forget about Raven Green because it was easy to he missed all but one game last season he was he was slated for a big role and then he got hurt he didn't end up playing but the Packers like him a lot so I have a hard time believing that they're not going to give him every opportunity to get back and do what he was supposed to do last season because they saved one of their injured reserve designated return spots all season long just at the chance that he might be able to come back and remember they 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 designated him for the playoffs and then he didn't end up getting able to didn't get activated against the Niners so I don't know if he would have been able to play it had they made it to the Super Bowl but that just speaks volumes to how important he's viewed in the team's eyes so I think if nothing else we're at least going to get a, a lot of looks at him in that dime linebacker spot I mean, he's a smart guy uh, you know, very few talk about him, but his teammates seem to like him a lot. And his presence in the middle probably helps some of the safeties, uh, safety play behind him too. So I just wonder what the defense last year would have done if Raven Green played a full season. And they were still pretty good, but they, you know, they might have elevated even even a little bit. So 
Raven Green's my guy. Don't forget about. What do you guys think? Yeah, I like that selection as well. When he was out last year, Will Redmond had to fill in quite a bit because the Packers primarily play with three safeties on the field. And that middle of the defense, it was I mean, it was an issue for most of the season. Uh, even when Ibrahim Campbell stepped in, I think fills that dime line, that dime linebacker role better than what um, Will Redmond does, but the defense just wasn't the same. He gives them that big physical presence, and I went to a handful of training camps last summer, and between the 2018 season ending and the 2019 you know, training camps and preseason, he got huge. I mean, he was just jacked, so he brings that physical presence, can still drop into coverage, and we know that's an important part of that Mike Pettin defense. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I'm a big Raven Green guy. I, I followed him. He he went to college with my daughter at James Madison. So I've been following him before he was a Packer. I knew, you know, my, my, my daughter was actually good friends with his, his, his roommate, whose name escapes me now, but um, he didn't make it to the NFL, but he was a pretty good player at, at, at Madison. So I've, I've, I was thrilled when the Packers signed him. I was thrilled that he made the team. Um, yeah, I'm a huge Raven Green fan, so I, I like that. I, I love that. That, that pick, and I, I really hope he can stay healthy because I think he will be a very good, like you said, dime linebacker, special teams guy. He, you know, he's a he's a good football player, and 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 though, and, and you saw it early last year, he was he was doing a lot of good things early in the season before the injury. Yeah, I considered him. I also considered him as a possibility for my X factor, as well, because if he's going to play as much as as we think, but with the Kirksey signing and and they've got. Adrian Amos, and they've got some other guys. I'm just not sure how much he's really going to play. So it was kind of one of those more don't forget about because he kind of fell off the off the out of sight, out of mind type of things. But this was a fun a fun list to go through, and it'll be kind of cool to compare notes a little bit later. I mean, hopefully on the positive side, I hope all a lot of these end up being being true. And then as far as the last season, you know, maybe if if Lindsley can find a way to keep himself in Green Bay, but the Green Bay, you know, the Packers have a lot of uh, a lot of decisions to make as far as financials go, but you guys always, as always, do great work. So uh, let's go around the horn. Mark, what are you working on at Packer Report? What can we look out for this week? Well, I'm still doing the uh, the, the best Packer Packers by the numbers. Uh, this week will be uh, 30 to 39. But let me tell you something. There's some surprises in there. I'm, I was shocked at how. Again, I'm doing this poll. I don't I don't look until I'm ready to do it. Like and. There's some numbers that I was like, wow, there's no, like, it's hard to find some, uh, you know, there, there were, I, I was surprised that there weren't some better 30s, that's all I'm going to say. So who was, I have to ask, who is yeah. number, who is number 28? Oh God, you, you're caught, you're kind of the off right I, 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 I was going to say, as long as <laughs> it wasn't a mod Carol, I think we're, oh, <laughs> no, no, it was, I could be safely say it wasn't a mod Carol. I think it was Willie Wood, I think, is, is Willie Wood 28? Uh, he may have been, yeah. That it was really Wood, yeah. Twenty, the the twenties, and, and there was a lot of Lombardi guys in the twenties. Herb Adderley was twenty six, obviously. Willie Wood, um, I think. Uh, well, Charles Woodson was twenty one, of course. Um, I think I had Eliza Pitts might have been in there, or no, Travis Williams. Travis Williams was was twenty three. Alexander, I said we'll get it in a couple of years, but I couldn't give it to him yet. Right. Okay. Awesome. And Mark over at Dairyland Express, what do we got going on? Uh, what I'm working on right now is going through position by position, uh, kind of previewing the roster, and then also just picking out uh, individual players 
for the upcoming season that will play big factors or guys that we need to see step up. You know, recently I've done Shannon Sullivan, Christian Kirksey, guys like that. Um, and then you can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Brettel, B-R-E-T-L. Awesome. Good stuff. Well, hopefully we're back. Well, I mean, hopefully we should be back in another so. week. We'll do this again next next Saturday, and we'll come up with some kind of a fun topic for everybody. But in the meantime, go check out Mark's great work over at Packer Report, Paul's good stuff over at Dairyland Express. Everybody enjoy the weekend. And as always, go Pack Go. class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.